Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. We're glad you're here at Alliance. Um, I just want to get something kind of taken care of right from the get-go. Uh, <clears throat> my voice is not the best this morning. I'm not trying to sound like some kind of evil villain from an action movie. This is, uh, I've been fighting a cold all week, and so um, I'm going to do my very best to not cough into this microphone a lot, and I'm going to do my best to cover it if I do, but just fair warning, all right? I've got Ron warming up in the bullpen in case something happens and he can take over, but I think we'll be all right. So just kind of wanted to get that out in the open um, before we get started this morning. Hey, how was your Thanksgiving? Good, good. Was Thanksgiving fun? I hope, hopefully Thanksgiving was relaxing, it was restful, it was an opportunity to kind of be around people that you love. Uh, maybe Thanksgiving was a little stressful. Maybe Thanksgiving was a little awkward. Maybe Thanksgiving was a little weird for some of you. Um, maybe Uncle Joe told that inappropriate joke again this year. I don't know. But <clears throat> Thanksgiving can be a lot of different things for a lot of different people, right? I love Thanksgiving. I, I had a great Thanksgiving spending time with friends and family. I, I, just, I look forward to so many things about Thanksgiving. And one of the things that I look forward to the most about Thanksgiving Day, in fact, is probably my favorite part of Thanksgiving Day, is watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It is like it is my highlight of my day. When I was a kid, we woke up in the morning, we curled up on the couch, we put the parade on, and we were locked in for three hours. All the, per all the floats, all the balloons, all the musical acts, all the bands, all the bad lip syncing, all the different stuff that you see when you watch the parade, we were locked into it for three hours. And so as an adult and as a father, I've tried to continue that tradition in my house. And so uh, we try. And so nine o'clock comes around. We turn on the parade. We're all sitting on the couch. And about 30 minutes later, I'm the only one left. And I'm sitting there crying and just enjoying the parade by myself. So um, it hasn't really caught on at my house. But I love the parade. And one of the reasons I loved the parade as a kid was because of, of who came at the end of the parade, right? As a child, you know who shows up at the end of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Who is, who is it? Absolutely. Santa shows up, right? And as a child, I was so excited to see Santa because when Santa showed up at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, that meant Christmas time was starting. That meant I had a few weeks left to get my act together to get some sweet Christmas gifts. I mean, it, it, the clock was ticking. Things were happening. Christmas time was here. I was so excited about that time, kind of th this time of year kind of starting. And many of us feel that way about the holidays, don't we? We look forward to these next five or six weeks. We look forward to the opportunity to celebrate together, to be together, to be able to have family dinners and the presents and all the traditions and all the things that happen during this time of year. We get excited about that. And that's, an ex that's a great thing that we have the opportunity to, to be excited about this time of year. The reality is that many of us are excited about it, but there's also some of us in the room this morning that don't get so excited about this time of year. This time of year stresses us out. This time of year makes things strange, makes things strained in our relationships. And there's lots of different reasons why some of us don't look forward to this time of year. I can think of a few. One is the food, right? You've worked so hard to eat healthy all year long. 
And then this last month is just, it's, it's gluttony at its finest. It's cakes and pies and cookies and candy and all this stuff that's so delicious but so bad for you. And some of us stress out about what we're eating at the end of the year. Some of us stress out about money at the end of the year, right? How on earth are we going to pay for all this? All the gifts and the trips and the parties and the stuff and the decorations, and all the things that have to have, that we believe have to happen at the end of the year, and that money stresses us out. And let's be honest, ultimately, sometimes, the thing that stresses us out most about this time of year is the people, right? It's the Uncle Joe that you have to sit at the table with. It's the people that you know you've been in conflict with all year, and now you're going to be together multiple times over this next month. And that can stress us out, that can worry us, that can make us anxious. And over these next few weeks, you are going to have lots of opportunities to be sitting around the table with lots of different people, right? Whether it's your friends, or your co-workers, or your family members, you're going to be seated around tables with people over the next few months, uh, over the next few weeks. And those tables are going to be full of food, and drinks, and interesting conversations, and all the things that come along with the holiday season. This morning, I want us to talk about some things that we can make room for at the table, because as we find ourselves around the table this holiday season, it's not just an opportunity to be with people, it's an opportunity to impact people. It's an opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. It's an opportunity to be Jesus, to become more like Christ as we try to live our lives over these next few weeks. And so I want us to talk about some things that we can bring to the table, some things that we can make room for at the table. And these, this isn't like turkey and pumpkin pie and stuffing. These are things that require some work. These are things that require some sacrifice on our part. To see them happen, to see a difference made, to see an impact made in the world around us. Because this isn't just a time of year to celebrate, it's a time of year to, to make a difference in people's lives. And so that's what I want us to talk about this morning, is how we can make room at the table for some really important things. To help us do that, I want us to look at two different passages of Scripture. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to these, or you can follow along on the screen or on your app or whatever you're using this morning. But we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want us to look at some different things that we can make room for at the table this holiday season. The first one. The first one is an obvious one. The first one makes sense because we just celebrated this and we talk about it a lot. But I want us to kind of think about it a little deeper. All right? So the first thing that I think we can make room for at the table is gratitude. Is gratitude. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we find the Apostle Paul writing a letter to this group of believers in the city of Corinth, all right? And in, in chapter 9 specifically, Paul is asking them for, for, his, for their help, all right? There's a group of believers in the city of Jerusalem that are going through a really, really hard time. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is asking the people in Corinth if they will raise money to send and help their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And so that's where we find, um, that's where we find Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And when we get to verse 10, 
When we get to verse 10, we see Paul kind of laying the groundwork or laying the foundation for how it is that we should view gratitude, all right? It's because Paul's not just trying to ask them for money. He's trying to get them to understand that we should be grateful and that our gratefulness, our gratitude, leads to something, all right? So let's look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to look at like the first two-thirds of verse 10. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources. So Paul gives us a picture of a farmer. And that farmer takes a seed and he plants it. And he takes care of it. And he waters it. And he pulls all the weeds that are growing around it so it doesn't choke out that seed. And that seed grows and produces a harvest that literally puts bread on the table. It literally puts bread on the table. Now, we can show our gratitude to the farmer, right? Because the farmer worked hard. The farmer did his work, did it well, and grew that seed up to provide a harvest for us to eat. But without that seed, the farmer does nothing, does he? Without that seed, the farmer can't do his job. And right at the beginning of verse 10, Paul tells us where the seed comes from. He says, for God, for God is the one who provides the seed. God is the source. God is the source of everything that we need. And that same God that provides the seed wants to meet our needs as well. And that's something that if we're believers, if we're followers of Jesus, that's something that should give us hope right? That's something that should help us build a sense of gratitude in our lives, because here is this God that provides the things that we need. It's going to require some work and effort on our part to make those things happen, but at the same time, God provides what we need. God gives us everything that we could possibly need. That should give us hope, and as we recognize that, as we realize that, as we become aware of that in our lives, that builds a sense of gratitude in our hearts. That builds a sense of gratitude in our hearts. Um, And we can express our gratitude to God for all that he provides for us. For all the people that he puts in our lives that help us grow and become more and more like Jesus. And we can express that gratitude to God. We can have hope. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to worry about every little thing in our lives. Now, that doesn't mean that we can be irresponsible with what we do. That doesn't mean that we won't go through challenges and difficult times in our lives, but even during those difficult times, we can always go back to the source. The source who provides the seed. The source that provides the things that we need. They may not be the things that we want. They may not be the things that we, need, that we think we need, but they're the things that we need to provide and meet our needs. And we can express our gratitude to the source of the one who gives us everything that we need. God is that source. So God provides for our needs, not just to meet our needs, but for a greater purpose. For something more than just meeting our needs. And that brings us to the next thing that we can bring to the table. And that's our generosity. We can make room at the table for generosity. Let's read verse 10 again, but this time let's keep reading the end of verse 10 and then verses 11 and 12 too. Here's what Paul says. We already read this part, but Paul says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then 
produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. When we plant a seed, and we take care of it, and we do all the things we're supposed to do to, to, to let, help that seed grow, it's going to produce a harvest. When we plant the seed of gratitude in our hearts, and in our minds, and in our lives, when we plant that seed of gratitude, it should, and we take care of that, and we maintain it, and we don't let the weeds of life kind of choke out our gratitude. But when we maintain that gratitude and express our gratitude to God, it's going to produce a harvest in our lives. And that harvest is generosity. That harvest is generosity. If we are grateful, then we're going to become generous, aren't we? It just makes sense that if we're grateful, we're going to become generous. And let's be honest, during this time of year, there are lots of different ways that we can show our generosity, aren't there? We can be generous with our church. We can be generous with great organizations here in our community. We can be generous with people who are going through a really hard time. Those are all great ways that we can show our generosity. This morning, though, I want you to picture the people that you're going to be sitting around the table with over these next few weeks. Who's going to be at your table? And then I want you to ask yourself, how can I be generous with those people? How can I show my generosity to the people that will be sitting around my table? And I'm not just talking about money right now. But how can I be generous with my time with the people who are sitting around my table? How can I be generous with my compassion for somebody that's sitting at my table that's hurting? How can I extend grace to somebody that needs grace? How can I extend mercy and forgiveness to the people that are around my table? How can I be generous in those things? Because if I'm grateful, then the harvest is going to be generosity. The harvest will always be generosity. And just like gratitude leads to generosity, generosity leads to some things too. It results in some things. Look at verses 11 and 12 again. Look at what Paul says. He says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And then here it is, ready? So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So two good things are going to come from the generosity of the people in Corinth. Number one, the needs of the people in Jerusalem will be met. So the actual physical felt need for the people that are going through a really hard time, their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem, they are going to help meet that need. And then the second thing, not only that, but as, they, as their needs are met, they're going to become grateful, and then they're going to express their gratitude to God. So when we're grateful, the harvest is generosity. And then whenever we're generous with other people, they become grateful. And when they become grateful, then they become generous. And when they become generous, then, they be, then they, they're generous with the people who become grateful. And the cycle keeps continuing time and time 
and time again, but we can't get stuck at gratitude. Our gratitude has to lead to generosity. The harvest is generosity. And as we are generous, more people become grateful, who become generous, who become grateful, who become generous, who become grateful, who become generous. <clears throat> so two lessons for us. Our generosity will lead to other people's gratitude. And then the second lesson for us is that when we are generous, our generosity should always, always point people back to God. That's what Paul said in verse 12, didn't he? He said, they will express their thanks to who? To God. Not to, not to the people in Corinth, but they will express their gratitude to God. They will express their thanks to God. Sometimes we're generous because we want that pat on the back, right? We want somebody to recognize that and be aware that, hey, I'm being generous right now. Somebody tell me I'm being generous. We want that, right? But the reality is, is that our generosity should always, always, always point people back to God. Through our words, through our attitudes, through our actions, our generosity should always be pointing people back to the source of our gratitude. So our gratitude leads to generosity. And our generosity leads to other people's gratitude. And that gratitude leads to their generosity. It's an amazing cycle. But we can't get stuck at gratitude. We have to be willing to be generous. Like I said, the holidays are an amazing time of year. And many of us have really warm, fuzzy feelings whenever we think about the holidays. We have amazing traditions. We have great parties. We have these great family gatherings that we are really, really looking forward to over these next few weeks. And like we said before, too, there are some of us in this room that don't necessarily look forward to the holidays like others of us do. Because the holidays bring about difficult times. The holidays bring about conflict. The holidays bring about confrontation. And so for those of us that are going to walk into a room and sit down at tables this holiday season where it's difficult, where it's tough, where we're not necessarily looking forward to being at that table. What are some things that we can bring to the table? What are some things that we can make room for at the table whenever the people around that table are a little bit rough, are a little bit challenging? For that, that's where I want us to move to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at two more things in 1 Peter chapter 3 that are going to teach us what we can make room for at the table when it's tough, when it's difficult. In 1 Peter chapter 3, here's what's going on. So Peter, the, apostle, the, the, the disciple Peter, he's writing a letter. And he's writing a letter to the people in Jerusalem. The same group of people that Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, when Paul is asking the people in Corinth to raise money for those people in Jerusalem, now Peter is writing a letter to those people in Jerusalem. And remember, those people are going through a really, really difficult time. In fact, when Peter writes this letter, it's gotten so bad that a lot of the believers in Jerusalem have had to leave the city. And now they're spread out and scattered all over the place. Things have gotten bad. Things have gotten chaotic. Things have gotten tough. And Peter recognizes that when things get tough, sometimes our relationships struggle. 
Sometimes relationships become challenging because we're on edge and we're stressed out and we're, a- we're anxious and we're worried about a lot of different things. And so in 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter recognizes that these people are going through a really chaotic time. And sometimes for us, the holidays are a really chaotic time. And we lash out. We say things that we regret. We do things that we had wished we had done differently. And so Peter's saying, listen, I know you're going through a really hard time, but I need you to remember. I need you to remember some things that are really important about how you relate to each other. So the beginning of chapter 3, Peter's talking about, here's how I think you should treat and relate to people who are in authority over you. And then he goes on, he says, husbands, here's how I think you should be treating your wives. Wives, here's how I think you should be treating your husbands. All the while recognizing that these people are going through a really, really challenging time. And then we get to verse 9 in 1 Peter chapter 3, and Peter kind of gives a big picture view of, here's how I want all of you to treat each other. Here's how I want all of you to treat each other. So verse 9 in 1 Peter chapter 3, it, it shows us the, first, the next thing that I believe that we can make room for at the table, and that's blessing. That's blessing. Look at verse 9 in 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and he will bless you for it. Don't repay evil with evil. When somebody insults you, don't insult them back. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Oh, come on, really? Really? You know how hard that is? You know how difficult that is? When somebody insults me, my human instinct is I'm going to insult them back, right? When somebody hurts me, I want to hurt them back. Peter's saying, stop. Stop. That is getting you nowhere. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Pay them back with a blessing. Have you ever been insulted at the Thanksgiving table? Have you ever been insulted at, 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 the, at a family dinner? I'm sure some of you could tell some very interesting stories about a family dinner that went way off the rails, right? I can remember one or two Thanksgivings at my grandma's house where I was a kid sitting at the kids' table in my grandma's kitchen, and I could hear some very interesting, let's call them discussions going on at the adult table in my grandma's dining room. And insults were being thrown back and forth. There was no blessing going on. There were insults because there was conflict, because there was stress, because there was anxiety. There were people that were just, they didn't know how to deal with it. And so insult was being tossed around all over the place, and it was getting nowhere. Sometimes in those types of discussions, feelings get hurt. And wounds, old wounds, get reopened. And new wounds are formed. Things happen in those moments, and in those moments, Peter is asking us not to fire back, but to pay back with a blessing. How in the world do we do that? How in the world do we do that? It requires effort, and it requires work, and it requires God's intervention to help us to pay back with a blessing. It requires self-control on our parts. Because again, our human instinct is, I want to fire back. So how do we do this? (laughs) 
I believe that we have to be intentional about this. That we have to be prepared for this. That we have to be aware of our opportunity to pay somebody back with a blessing. Because if we get caught off guard and somebody insults us and we're not prepared for it and we're not ready for it, many times when we're not prepared, our instinct takes over and we just shoot back. We just fire back. Here's the reality. Some of you know the tables that you're going to be sitting around over these next few weeks. You, know, you already know the conflict that exists there. You already know some of the difficulty and some of the challenges that you're facing with some of the people that you're going to come in contact with at work, at school, at home, at a party. You already know what's going to happen over these next few weeks. Why not prepare yourself now that in your mind and in your actions and in your attitude, I'm going to be a blessing because I know what might happen when I walk into that room. I know what might happen when I sit down at that table. So why not be aware and prepare ourselves for those moments? And I don't know exactly what that looks like for your situation. I don't know exactly how that's going to work out at your table. But maybe the big question that we can be asking ourselves is this. How is my attitude, how are my words, how are my actions going to be a blessing to people who are difficult, to people that are cold, to people that I have a strained relationship with? How are my, how, what am I going to do? What personal responsibility am I going to take to be a blessing to the people around us? And at the same time, we, we should be begging God and asking God and pleading, and, and pleading with God and asking Him to give us grace and compassion and wisdom, and discernment as we walk into those difficult conversations. I'm not saying that's going to happen to you, but if we're prepared for that, if we're aware of that, that's going to help us be more effective in those moments than if we just walk in thinking, everything's fine, no, there's no problem here. So let's be aware of those opportunities to be a blessing to others. The last thing that I think we can make room for at the table this holiday season. It kind of goes along with what we just talked about is peace. Is peace. Let's jump to verse 11 in 1 Peter chapter 3. Two very simple sentences that give us a lot to think about that Peter says in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3 verse 11. He says this, turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Two sentences, there's four verbs in there. Ready? Four action words. Let's talk about them real quick. First, turn. As in turn away from evil. Turn away from evil. There are some situations that you're going to walk into in the next few weeks that you need to recognize that you need to remove yourself from. There's no, there's no good that's going to come out of you being in that situation. And so sometimes we need to recognize when it's time for us to turn and leave and flee evil. Second word, do, as in do good. We can confront evil. We can confront, we can confront conflict by doing good, by being active, by looking for ways that we can be a blessing to the people around us. 
And in the second sentence, Peter gets more specific about peace. The next verb is search. Search for peace. Search for peace. I think sometimes we have a far too limited view of peace. Sometimes we just think that peace is the absence of conflict, right? As long as we're not fighting, there's peace, right? I can tell you right now, you probably have relationships with people. You might not be fighting with that person right now, but there is not peace between you. There is not peace in that relationship. We have to be actively searching for and pursuing peace. We have to be actively looking for and pursuing peace. Peace is something that we have to be constantly on the lookout for, constantly searching for. It's not just going to fall in our lap. It's something that we have to be active about and not passive. And then the last verb that Peter gives The last verb is work, as in work to maintain peace. Work to maintain peace. Again, peace isn't a passive thing that just falls in our lap and we don't have to do anything to maintain it. Lasting peace requires work. Lasting peace requires work to maintain. And sometimes lasting peace means being willing to confront somebody. Lasting peace means being willing to have a tough conversation with someone. But it's worth it. It's worth the effort to pursue and work to maintain peace. Some of you are going to be around tables these next few weeks where you need to search and work for peace. What can we do to bring about peace in our relationships? If we're willing to put in the work I believe that many times, whenever we're willing to put in the work towards making and maintaining peace, I believe that's the, that's the times when God is able to bless us in ways that we can't even imagine. We begin to see God's blessing in new ways as we work to maintain peace. God is able to restore relationships that we never thought could be restored. God is able to heal wounds that have been open and, and sore and hurting us for years. But it's an active word. It's a verb. It's something that we have to be willing to put in the work and sacrifice to do. And so how are we going to search and work to maintain peace this year? Listen, this week I want you to, I want you to visualize the table that you're sitting at these next few weeks. I want, to, I want you to visualize the people that are around your table, and I also want you to visualize the stuff that's on your table. I want you to visualize the stuff that's on your table, the good and the bad, all the things that are going to come along these next few weeks. I want you to visualize those things on the table. For some of us, our tables are too full. There's too much there. I remember at my grandma's house growing up, my grandma would make so much food that there literally wasn't room enough for us to eat. We would literally have to take platters of food and move it to the kitchen counter so we had room to eat at the table. So we had room to be at the table. We had to take food off the table so that we could sit at the table. And the reality is, for some of us, there are things on our table these next few weeks that we're going to have to remove, that we're going to have to take away so that we can make room for the things that really matter. 
things that are a distraction, things that hold us back from really pursuing and maintaining peace with other people. And some of those things aren't bad things. Some of those things aren't bad things, but there are things that keep us from experiencing the best things that God has for us. And so visualize your table. Visualize the people at your table. And maybe you'll see some things that need to be removed so that you can make room for gratitude, so that you can make room for generosity, so that you can make room for blessing, and so that you can make room for peace. I hope that this holiday season is an amazing time for you. I hope that maybe this year is the year for some of you where you see a breakthrough happen in those relationships that are difficult. That you see something, that you see God work and move in ways that you never thought were possible. And may we be willing to play our part in that. To be a blessing, to searching for peace with the people around us. So as we enter this time of year when we get to celebrate the birth of our King Jesus, may we make room at the table for gratitude. And may our gratitude bring about a huge, huge harvest of generosity. And as we are generous with other people this time of year, may we be a blessing to the people around us. Even those that are difficult, even those that hurl insults our way, May we be a blessing to them. And as we face stress and anxiety and worry that's likely to pop up at some point over these next few weeks, may we be people who are actively pursuing and working to maintain peace, a lasting peace, a peace that can be an example to the world around us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word teaches us so much about how we can live our lives. God, this is an amazing time of year for many of us. We get to celebrate so many things. We get to have so many great memories with people that we love and care about. God, use those as an opportunity for us to hear from you, to grow in our relationship with you, and to grow in our relationship with other people. God, we love you. We thank you that you've given us an opportunity. You've given us something to celebrate. The birth of your son, the gift of Jesus to us. May we recognize and celebrate that gift well this year. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. This morning, we actually have the opportunity to gather around another kind of table. As a church family, we gather around the communion table. And as we come to the communion table, we get the opportunity to remember the, the, the sacrifice that Jesus made for us in his death and in his resurrection. And because Jesus has given us the opportunity, because of what Jesus has done, we have the opportunity to pursue all of the things that we talked about this morning. Here's the thing. If you trust Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to join us at the table this morning. And as we come to the table, we show our gratitude to Jesus for the body that he broke for us, which we symbolize and remember with the bread. As we express our gratitude to God, we remember the blood that Jesus spilled for us, which we symbolize in the cup that we drink. As an opportunity to show our gratitude to King Jesus. This morning we're going to do things a little differently. We've set up these tables around the room. There's one down front, there's one on the sides, there's one in the back of the room on each side. 
We're just going to invite you to go to the table whenever you're ready. The band's going to play a song. You don't have to stand and sing. Just sit and be quiet. Not, that sounded bad. Sit and be quiet. Just sit quietly. When, and whenever you... That, sounded like I was, that, that, that came out all wrong. Anyway. But whenever you're ready, feel free to go to one of those tables. Spend some time with God. Express your gratitude, your thanks to God. Remember the sacrifice that he made for us. And then whenever you're ready, you can go. You can take a piece of bread. You can take a cup. Take it back to your seat. And then whenever you're ready, you can eat and drink uh, the communion and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. So these next few minutes, we just wanted to give them to you as an opportunity to be with God, to express your gratitude to God, and then come whenever you're ready. Then last thing. This is a really challenging thing for us, but I want to put it out there. Last thing. We talked this morning about searching for and maintaining peace. Maybe there's somebody in this room this morning that you need to actively pursue peace with. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a close friend. Maybe it's somebody that's here this morning that you need to begin the conversation to actively pursue peace. What better place to do that than around the table? What better place to do that than as we remember what Jesus has done for us, the thing that unifies us, the thing that brings us together, the person of Jesus Christ. And so maybe there's somebody here this morning that you need to do that with. Over these next few minutes, I'm going to invite you to do something tough. Why don't you go to that person and begin that conversation? It, it, it's probably not going to, you're probably not going to be able to get through the whole thing in the next few minutes, but begin the conversation to actively pursue peace with that table, with that person. And maybe here's the other thing. Maybe you can take communion together as a way to symbolize your, 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 your shared commitment to Jesus and to each other. And that might mean that you take communion more than once. I asked Ron, it's okay if you take communion more than once. But it's important. It's important that we are actively pursuing peace as believers in Jesus. It's important for you as an individual. It's an important thing for you as, as the person that you are in a relationship with. It's important for us as a church to be actively pursuing peace. That's what's going to help us move forward in the ways that God is asking us to go. And so these next few minutes are yours. And when we're done, I'll get up and pray, and then we'll sing a song together. But I wanted to give you these next few minutes just to, to be with you and God, but maybe also with somebody else in this room. And so this time is yours to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us.
God, we thank you. We haven't earned this. We don't deserve this. It's only because of you. Thank you for this incredible gift. God, it's changed so many of our lives in so many amazing ways. God, may it continually remind us of who it is that you're asking us to be. So we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this time of year when we get to celebrate the birth of our King. We thank you for our church family that we can gather together to remember and celebrate together. God, may you be blessed. May you be honored in all that we do over these next few weeks. We love you. In your name, amen. I thought what better way for us to end a service today than to stand and sing together and, and show our, again, express our gratitude and our worship to God. So would you stand with us as we sing?
lot to celebrate, don't we? So much to be grateful for. So much to be thankful for. And so these next few weeks, may we be people who express that gratitude in so many different ways to the world around us. Amen? We're so glad that you came today. Uh, we, have, we have a favor to ask. We're actually going to decorate for Christmas right now. So if you are interested, if you love to decorate for Christmas, we would love your help. All right? If you want to stick around for a few minutes, if, uh, we, if, you just, if you're interested, just come down front here. Teresa Lorenz is kind of our point person for that. We're going to go grab our decorations and um, decorate this room in the lobby. And we'd love to have your help with that if you can. If not, no problem. Whoa, hello. All right. We're so glad you came today. Thank you for coming. May we go out and, and experience and be gratitude to the world around us. Amen? Amen. You're dismissed. Have a great day.